0: Merry Christmas. Seem like super ringy. We got it. How is everybody's Christmas morning going? I feel, I'll just, I'm just going to be honest, I feel a little disheveled a little bit this morning. Like uh, my number one gal is home at sick. And uh, she's been sick actually for a couple days, Tammy has. And so, uh, and not only that, we were talking this morning that this is the first year that I can remember my whole life that we celebrated Christmas before Christmas. Yesterday we gathered as a family and kind of spent the whole day together, had breakfast and we kind of have our, uh, our Christmas meal is uh, one that we kind of developed as the kids were growing up where I would make the uh, puff pancakes and lots of bacon and sausage to go with it of course. And uh, anyway, so that was kind of our Christmas deal at home. And we did that yesterday. And so for the last, I'm not going to kid you, for the last 48 hours, I'm a day off. Everything in my mind says that yesterday was Christmas and not today. And so you're just going to have to bear with me. I'll apologize on the front end. And uh, we'll dive in and see what the Bible has to say. But uh, I was uh, thinking through this week and uh, last week as we talked about the fact that God has this overarching plan of rescuing mankind. Uh, Really, if you think about it, God rescues us from ourselves. He rescues us from ourselves, and uh, that's been his plan. Ephesians 1 says it was his plan from before the foundations of the world. Now, as we kind of transition out of that idea, I was thinking about gifts. I was thinking about uh, even yesterday, and it's a it's a lot of fun. Maybe I should kind of lighten it up a little bit, <clears throat> and so you guys are going to have to kind of tell on yourselves a little bit here and 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 bear with us. But whose Christmas is like when it's grif- when it's gift time? It gets really chaotic. Don't be don't be bashful. We got a couple. Like when you go to open gifts, it gets really super chaotic. Yeah, who doesn't like the chaos? Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> there's a, there's an admission. There's two. Uh, The same hand went up for both questions. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, And it's interesting that... uh, that, What's that? Who loves the chaos? Maybe I should ask that question. I have to say that um, over the years, of course, we've been a part of uh, both sides of that. And we've really seen, even in our own family, kind of a a shift... um, Uh, or or, I should say multiple shifts because before you have kids it's not so chaotic and then when you do have kids it gets super chaotic and then when your kids get older which is the phase that we're in then it gets less chaotic I should say Um, although uh, yesterday morning I was awoken with the phone ringing and uh, it was a young fella he's not in the congregation this morning but Zach, I'll tell on Zach a little bit our home phone was ringing and I woke up and I I looked at it and I said, why is Zach calling me? I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. So I didn't answer it on the first go around. This was our yesterday morning. And, uh, and uh, I just put the phone back down and went about my business. And, and then a couple of minutes later it rang again. I was like, well maybe there is an issue. Maybe Zach's got a little chaos in his life right now. So I was like, hey Zach, what's up? Robbie says no it's me I was like oh yeah I I forgot I had forgotten that that Robbie's second line is actually Zach's first line when it comes to a cell phone because they're always out screwing around doing something I said "Uh, what's the problem seven o'clock in the morning well we're we've been out coyote hunting and um, we got stuck in the field well, I mean, everybody in Stevens County has got at least three feet of snow. Yeah. And so uh, that's how yesterday morning started with a little bit of chaos, and it got more organized as that the day went along. Good for them that we have big equipment, and they didn't have to walk the full walk of shame back to the farm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I took a little Christmas pity on them boys and went out and picked them up, and uh, they walked out for out to the road, and I picked him up at the road. Of course, Robbie was smart enough to have snowshoes on, and Zach was in his boots, so. I don't know what that has to do with my sermon. Nothing, really. Maybe it was my first gift of the day, but uh, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I want to read through, and just I just have a couple comments on each one, but I want to read through seven passages. If you were here last night, uh, and we celebrated uh, candlelight service last night, and um, and Les took us through the uh, passages, kind of uh, it was kind of interesting. Lesson and and Tim's uh, times of sharing the word were kind of similar in ways where they went uh, before Christ uh, to the coming of Christ, and then after. And uh, Les took us through the uh, lighting of the menorah candles. Tim read from the first uh, of uh, part one of three parts of Handel's Messiah, read the verses just straight through as a story. And uh, in a similar fashion, I would suppose today, we're going to look at verses that do that too. But I want to wrap them in this idea, no pun intended. I want to wrap them in the idea of seven gifts that Jesus brings us. When he comes to earth seven gifts that 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 God has for all of mankind for all of time for all of history and for us today seven gifts that he has for you and I this time of the year the first gift is the gift of peace the gift of peace if you'll turn or look on the screen to Micah chapter 5 verses 2 through 5. Prophet Micah says this but you Bethlehem Ephrathah Ifr- though you are little among the thousands of Judah yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of, in Israel whose goings forth are from old from everlasting therefore he shall give <clears throat> therefore he shall give them up until the time that she is That she who is in labor labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock. In the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be peace. That word there, one, has a capital O. Meaning that's Jesus and Jesus shall be peace. Peace, peace, having peace in our lives. Uh, Phil Robertson, I love this quote. I didn't put I guess forgot to put his name down, but it's really his quote. Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty, the kind of the, the father of the whole family. He said many times, he says, peace is the rarest of commodities. It's what everybody is really, really looking for. It's the rarest of commodities. If you have peace. You really have all you need. And of course we know that Jesus is peace. Peace with God was really lost in the Garden of Eden. It was lost to sin, but now it's regained in Christ. And so therefore peace is a gift that God has for you and and, and a gift that God has for me. It's a gift that we can have and it's a gift that only God gives Jesus didn't occasionally give peace. No, Micah says that Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. He is peace. Like the story that we looked at in Mark 4, when Jesus speaks into our situation, speaking of the, Jesus calming the raging sea, uh, Jesus just spoke a word, and peace existed instantly in that moment in Mark 4. We looked at that uh, three weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. So Jesus is peace. It's not that he just doles it out like a a stick of chewing gum here and there along the way. Jesus is our peace. And so when we're with Jesus, we are in that same spot of peace. When you're in the boat, that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Peace exists in the boat with Christ. Even though there can be chaos, when Jesus speaks a word, there's peace. There's peace. It's the first gift that God gives his people the second one the second gift is the gift of righteousness the gift of righteousness the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 23 it's kind of a longer passage but uh, we'll get to it right at the end of it Jeremiah 23 starts off where Jeremiah says woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture says the Lord God giving Jeremiah this uh, caution to send out to the leaders of Israel. It says in verse 2, Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord, but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds. And they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Verse 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved in israel will dwell safely now there is his name by which he will be called the lord our righteousness god is jesus is our peace so it's a gift that he gives us. Peace is a gift that he gives us. But righteousness is a gift that Jesus brings as well because he is our righteousness. And, when, and, and righteousness, a lot of times today, is kind of, just kind of gets wrapped into these Christmasy, uh, or not Christmasy, Christian y sayings. And so it's hard for people to understand what does that really mean? How do we really understand this gigantic word? And how does this apply in our lives? I want to make it really simple. Righteousness just simply boils down to this. It's rightness. It's rightness with God. Righteousness, our rightness with God, the Father is a gift. And of course, it's solely dependent upon Jesus. There's a passage out of Matthew Henry's commentary that reads this way. The profession and declaration of this. This is the name by whereby he shall be called. Not only he shall be so, but he shall be known to be so. God shall call him by this name, for he shall appoint him to be our righteousness. By this name Israel shall call call him. Every true believer shall call him and call upon him. That is our righteousness by which, as in a loud plea, this is key, this next line, I'll read it again. That is our righteousness by which, as an allowed plea, we are justified before God, acquitted from guilt, and accepted into favor. And nothing else have we to plea but this, Christ has died, yea, rather has risen again, and we have taken him for our Lord. What a beautiful way that Matthew Henry, so many years ago, had kind of looked over this passage of, that the prophet Jeremiah brings forth of the fact that the Savior will come and he will bring peace, but Jeremiah says he will bring righteousness. In other words, he's the only way that you and I, he's the only way that anybody can be right before God, that we can be true before God, that we can have the right connection, the right relationship, the right standing is Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness, and it's our Second gift for this morning. Jesus is our righteousness. He brings righteousness to our lives. The third gift that I want to look at is the gift of a joyful rule and reign. A joyful rule and reign. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7, Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, evermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Our third gift is a joyful rule and reign. I was talking before the service just briefly, and, and I was mentioning it to uh, the, the, the worship team, that it's every other system of belief that's been in human history is really set up this uh, one of two ways. It's either completely work, works-based uh, or and or you're really doing works to appease an angry God. And I say angry God with a small g God. So, so <clears throat> every other system generally comes down to the fact that, that you've got to pedal harder, you've got to work faster, you've got to sacrifice more to, to uh, just somehow make a God happy and that's not joyful there's no joy in that all there is 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 agony and anguish and fear wondering if you're doing enough but the bible says the bible says that the lord brings a joyful rule and reign to his people each of these promises look at those promises in verse 3 the reference to great joy the breaking of the yoke of his burden, the rod of his oppressor, the complete victory over all enemies there in three and four. Those are, those are, that's a gift that God brings us people, that we don't have to be under this, this judgment or this oppression, that we don't have to believe that somehow uh, we have to appease this angry God by, like they did in ancient times, sacrificing children or you know, whipping yourself or whatever process was, used to be out there still is out there today in reality. No, we have these promises. We have a promise of a joyful rule and a joyful reign by the Lord. These things are a gift to us. They, they should be seen as a gift to us. That, that this is something totally new that the rest of humanity, have, up until the last couple thousand years, they didn't have this type of joy. They didn't have this type of a rule and reign. The joy of harvest, the increased joy that the Lord talks about by the prophet Isaiah. The third gift is a joyful rule and reign. The second one is similar to it, and the next one, the fourth gift, is similar to it, I suppose, in a way. Uh, not only do we have a joyful rule and reign, but we have an eternal rule and reign as a gift to us, and now we get into our... Christmas Passages, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled, at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was, for sure. Uh, I imagine Mary was really troubled. Uh, What is this guy talking about? Uh, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this, <clears throat> this is now the sixth month for her, who was called, uh, who was called barren, for, this, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be as to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her in that same conversation right before the service Austin was saying you know if God can come in the flesh is anything else uh, is there anything else out there that's impossible and the answer is nope and uh, to which I replied then I usually say that about the resurrection like if if somebody can can be uh, killed on a cross somebody can sacrifice themselves for our own sins be dead and buried and walk out of the tomb three days later, what else is there? Like, what can't God do? the same is true for this, and in fact, that's exactly what verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. We have a joyous rule and reign, we have an eternal rule and reign, verse 33 says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I'm here to tell you and submit to you this morning that with God, nothing is impossible. That he can bring joy into your situation. He can bring uh, uh, righteousness and, and, and peace into your situation. Whatever's needed there, probably both, if we're honest. But he can bring, bring joy and he can bring an eternal reign to your life. That's what we're called to as believers. We're called to an eternal reign, but we're also called to an eternal reign where we have the outlook that nothing is impossible. That God can do whatever he chooses to do in each and every situation. He's sovereign over everything and every aspect of our lives. Nothing then is impossible. We would like to say that our response is like Mary's, but in reality, it's not often that way. I think that it should be our kind of our aim or our goal that we should be responding more and more each and every day of our Christian lives like Mary responds, where she just simply says, let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. The eternal rule and reign. The fifth gift is, uh, it was really kind of hard as I was working through these passages to come up with uh, some of these are kind of easy to kind of categorize and I categorize this one a little bit differently and I was really looking for a different way to communicate it but I'll just put what I had up there the fifth gift that Jesus brings to us on Christmas is a relatability is a relatability. If you think back to kind of the uh, description that I laid out earlier with uh, most of, of humanity serving these angry gods, there's one thing that's kind of a common trait in that is, is that all of those other angry gods in ancient uh, um, or current <laughs> uh, cultures serve, there's an aspect that there that they're, that they're out of reach, that those, those small g gods are kind of out of reach. In other words, they're, they're up way up on the mountain or they're up on some temple or they're, you know, they're behind the cloak. They be, they're behind the curtain. And they're not really, in truth, they're not really relatable. They're not really, uh, uh, you, you can't really identify with them and they don't really identify with you. You just are kind of in this hamster wheel of trying to serve them in some sort of a way you think about the ancient cultures the Aztecs, the Incas uh, what we see in the Old Testament uh, those that serve the, the Baals and the Asher, Asherahs those types of religious systems there's no relatability there the beautiful thing of the gift of relatability is, is that is it's all wrapped up in the Christmas story is that Christ came to earth. That the Messiah came down and took on, took on human flesh. Took on, took on what we would experience in every sort of a way. And so Luke then says this. The gospel of Luke chapter 2 verse 1. Luke records. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. That all the world should be registered. This. Se- the census first took place while well, uh, Quirinius was governor over Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to their own city. I want to pause there at the end of verse 3 and say, uh, God works in mysterious ways. And God can work through these you know, crazy edicts of the government and, and, and the crazy decisions to say, Oh, by the way, we need to get a number on everybody. We need, to, we need to find out exactly where we are. So God works in these mysterious ways and things that we don't necessarily see, but he does so to accomplish his purposes. And if we continue on in verse 4, we'll see that purpose. Verse 4 of Luke 2 says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days, <clears throat> the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Jesus comes in the flesh means that he has faced all the same struggles. He, he, came, he came into this world just like all of us. Just like all of humanity. With all the same vulnerabilities, with all the same uh, strife and struggle, with all the same you know, concerns of, of expecting parents. And in fact, in their day, it was really added on. It was really tacked on, like socially in their day. Joseph had every right to pretty much just abandon Mary and and onto her own socially. That was all right. She was found to be pregnant. They hadn't slept together. They were only engaged. And so he had every social right in that day, that first century, to just leave her be. You think about that in the context of all the anxiety. You, th- you, t- you think about in, in the context of in that first century if a lady was abandoned and, and couldn't go to her original family and couldn't move forward in a relationship with her uh, fiance she was on the street so the, all that anxiety built into this story everything that was there Joseph obviously doing the right thing doing the right thing before the Lord of course the Lord spoke to him in other passages we know that but Jesus coming in the flesh means that he faced all the same struggles. In the, and what I'm getting at is, is that not only did he face all the same struggles, but everybody around him faced all the same struggles or similar ones. But he faced all the same struggles that we did. And it gives us encouragement then to persevere and to press forward into trials. That's just a little summary of Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 15 where it says that Jesus just, you know, he went through all the same things that we did, Yeah, it was without sin. The incarnation means that the Savior is relatable. That's one of the things that sets Christianity completely above and beyond. Just one of the aspects that sets Christianity above and beyond all other re- religious systems. Because in no other system is God relatable. But in Christianity... <laughs> Because Jesus came in the flesh, because the Messiah came in the flesh, because he experienced life just the same we did, same as we did. That he's relatable. That he understands your struggle. He understands your emotions. He understands your fears. He understands all the things that you're going through that you don't talk about or that I'm going through and that I don't talk about. He understands all of that. He's completely, 100% relatable. And we kind of forget that. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is a gift from God. That is a gift that no other belief system puts out there is that Jesus is relatable. Number six is the gift of a king and a shepherd to worship. A king and a shepherd to worship. Matthew 2 says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king... Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests, the scribes, and the people together, he inquired of them, Where is the Christ, where the Christ was to be born? So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring him Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Of course, other passages fill in the, they backfill that story with the fact that Herod was not there to go and worship Jesus like they were. Uh, Jesus was a threat to Herod. He, he was a threat, uh, what, a perceived threat that he would take over his kingship. But here we have a gift of a king and a shepherd to worship. A king in the sense that he would come and rule and reign and, and uh, uh, lead his people. A shepherd in the sense that Isaiah, this prophecy out of Isaiah, for out of you shall come a ruler, there we go, both in one sentence, who will shepherd my people. Israel, if you compare it to the earlier passages that we read at the beginning, uh, God was judging those shepherds for, for being harsh to the flock, where Jesus comes in to be soft and gentle, to deal with the deepest issues, the issues of sin, the issues of shame, all of those types of things. Jesus is a a King and a shepherd worthy of our worship. And it's a gift that he brings to us the most gentle and humble and human way you could say out of the book of Luke. The seventh one is a gift. It's a gift, and it's an example, really. It's a gift of humility and obedience. And out of the book of Philippians, Paul writes to the Philippians church in verse in chapter two, starting at the top of chapter two, Paul writes this. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, so kind of stacking all those first six gifts up, if there's any consolation, if there's anything that, that, that goes together, if you will, in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy, Paul says, by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or vain conceit. I'm quoting and reading. I'm reading out of the New King James and quoting it in my mind out of the NIV. Uh, I'll start that verse over out of the New King James. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And here's your little Christmas verse out of this passage. Who being, form, <clears throat> who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming there's your phrase, and coming in the likeness of men. He's relatable. Verse 8 says, And being found in an appearance of, as of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even death on the cross. He was humble and he was obedient. We think of those, generally speaking, in our culture, as a, kind of a negative, kind of a takeaways, because uh, in our culture it's kind of the strong survive. So anybody that's humble must not be strong, but that's not biblically accurate. You can be strong and be humble. Then in our culture, on the other side, we think that that you know if uh, it's really the it's really the proud and the rebellious that win. That's kind of our cultural. That's kind of the that was kind of the picture that was out there when I was growing up, for sure. You know, it was always kind of the the rebels. And every picture, every movie is kind of set up this way. You know, the, the, that, that guy that's a little bit on the rebellious side. You know the, you know, the top gun type of a mentality. Always on the edge, always on the fringe. Jesus was a perfect example of both humility and obedience. His obedience had a particular purpose. His obedience... To the point of death on the cross meant that you and I could join with him in eternity because, in that moment, in that situation, in that point in time, he was paying the death, he was paying the price of sin with his death for everybody, for those that would believe, even death on the cross. Now, verse 9 goes on to say, then how we should. respond to these gifts I'm going to apply it broadly over the, all seven of them but it's definitely true for how we should respond to Christ's humility and obedience on our behalf verse 9 says therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, as I've mentioned kind of through our time today, and and, and granted, this is a shorter sermon, and it's intended to be so. It's intended to be short in the sense that uh, uh, we don't want to take up your whole day, and uh, we kind of designed what was going to go on downstairs to be shorter and more of a Christmassy party for the kids and that sort of thing. In every system of belief, there's this idea that every knee should bow and that the people believed in those gods should then confess and, and, and in some way put their reliance upon this God that they're serving. And the reality is, is that, that those uh, systems of belief, if you will, There's just an appeasement is all. There's no humility. There's no obedience by their God. Walking out a a way that people could be truly free. But in this, Paul says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Every name which puts Jesus at the top and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the father. It's been interesting as we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark that, that and we're going to see more and more of these occasions, so kind of be ready come January. You're going to see all of these occasions where Jesus is just like, bam, going in and setting people free from from sickness and and infirmities, and he's setting them free from demonic oppression. And he's setting them, you know, free relationally. And, and there's all these stories where it's just, I mean, you just see it like just boom, boom, boom. Jesus is rescuing people. Bang, bang, bang. Or he's feeding like, you know, he's taking care of dinner for, you know, thousands of people. 15,000 people, you know, if you count the women and children. He's, he's doing all these, these crazy and, and marvelous things. And if you think about, though, if you think about just a small slice of what I just talked about, if you think about when he starts casting out demons, and the demons just start shouting like who he is, or they start, oh, we know who you are. We know who you are, you know. And he tells them basically to be quiet. Uh, That's right here. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those of heaven and those on earth. And here it is. Those under the earth the demonic realm knows who jesus is the human realm knows knows who jesus is the question is 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 when are you going to bow when are people going to bow when are people going to yield and accept these gifts that jesus has brought or are they going to stay kind of in the hamster wheel the loop of trying to appease god see uh I love the I love the phase that we're in now as a family. Because we just spent time yesterday just going like person to person. So kind of the way that we do it is 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 that is is so uh I'll just pick on Katie because she's here and looking at me. But uh so somebody would start by giving Katie a gift, grabbing one out of the tree, giving it to Katie, then she would do that. She would it's like, oh, okay, then she would go get a gift with somebody else's name on it, and then whoever that person was, they would go and it was really kind of neat to just sit and just watch each person, we kind of just went in this kind of a cycle, if you will, each person open a gift, and of course the little ones and, and all that was mixed into it. And then it's easier, in a sense, when it's not so chaotic, to remember then, ah, oh, this is what you know. Katie was given by this person, or this is what you can kind of keep track of it all. And in a sense, kind of these seven gifts are kind of, I want you to walk away today that way, that it's easy to remember. Oh, that's right, Jesus gave us peace. Oh, that's right, Jesus gave us righteousness. Oh, that's right, Jesus gave me a a joyful rule and reign in my life. Jesus gave me the gift of himself, somebody that I can worship. That's right, Jesus gave me a great example that when I'm struggling to be humble, or when I'm struggling to be obedient, I can go right to Philippians 2 and look up his example that he's given to me as a gift. It's a beautiful picture, I believe. And I just want to wrap up today. I'll ask the worship team to come back up. I just want to wrap up today by saying, have a great day. Have a great day. Enjoy the gifts that Jesus has given as you then, if you haven't already done Christmas, uh, If you haven't already done Christmas, as you're doing Christmas, remind yourselves and remind one another, the people that you're with today, of the gifts that Jesus has given to you. And the gifts that Jesus has for them. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and worship in our last song together.